Welcome back to Female Videos, everyone. Natasha is here again. We have another health-focused episode, and we have a great guest, someone who uh, reached out to us, and we're so excited to have her talk today, Dr. Jane Levesque, and she is a naturopathic doctor who specializes in fertility. And it's a topic, you know, this podcast is focused on fatherhood, and but we've had so many uh, topics that are focused on other aspects of health that connect to fatherhood and so i think this one could probably relate and so we're really happy to have jane here today jane welcome to two nobodies thanks for making time here on a saturday and really looking forward to the conversation thanks so much for having me i'm excited to be here awesome well you know you're a naturopathic doctor i think i might mention my wife is also one i'm curious how you got involved in the field like why pursue naturopathic medicine yeah, I think most of us naturopaths have our own story, our own health journey that the conventional medical system just kind of failed us. We had our own issues. And just like I said, most of my colleagues and friends, it's I had IBS, I had anxiety, I had weight loss resistance. And at 22, 25 years old, I just didn't want to believe that that's the way that I am. And my doctor mm-hmm. always told me that my blood work was normal and I'm healthy but I didn't feel that way. And so I knew that there was something else that I wanted to pursue and figure out. And so I actually went like the personal training route. I thought it may be a nutritionist, Mm. Um, but I did have, um, I have a degree in health sciences and I had this teacher on communications that basically talked about how important it is to communicate and to connect with your patients and how the outcome of the way that you connected with your patient had on their disease. So if you walked into an office and said, sorry, you have cancer, you have one month to live Mm. versus, Hey, like we found some cancer and I'm so sorry to hear this. And I'm just devastated for you and your family. And how can we support you? And those people would end up living not just the designated time, but they would live and have a much better quality of life while they lived. And it was a big spark for me to be like, you know, I want to do that. Like, I want to be a different kind of doctor. I don't want to be the Mm. doctor that just brushes people off. I want to help heal people. And truthfully, I just didn't know naturopathic medicine existed Mm. until I went to a personal training conference and there was this nutritionist was like, yeah, you don't want to be a doctor. Mm. Look into naturopathic medicine. And as soon as I did, it was just like clouds parted, the sun came out, you know, I was like, oh my God. And then of course I had my own journey with working with a naturopath after I find out what naturopathic medicine was. And it was just like, oh, this is the real deal. This is where we heal people. We listen to Mm. people. We understand their problems and we help them figure them out and we don't treat you like a machine. We treat you like a person that you are and help you find, figure out what your body's trying to tell you. What are your symptoms trying to tell you? What's the, we're not suppressing the symptoms. We're yeah. dealing with them. So that's, that's the journey of why I ended up in the naturopathic space. Would you, um, how would you feel, how do you feel is the, uh, is the adoption of naturopathic medicine? I mean, we're both in Alberta, but just generally like are you seeing more acceptance of the field or or what do you think are some barriers still to the field sure i think there's a lot of acceptance um 
I think the barriers is that we as naturopaths are not very good at marketing. We're not very good at sales. And so mm. we're not very good at telling people what we do for them, including myself. It's like I get business mentorship to help mm. me get my message out because when I speak to people, they're like, there's people like this who exist. There's doctors <laughs> who do this. There's doctors who spend time with you and people just don't know. And so I think the barrier is us naturopaths realizing that we need to learn how to market. We need to learn how to make sales. We need to package our programs and the things that we do for people. And we need to shout it from the mountaintop uh, because people need it. They love it and they want it. They just don't know we're there. Right. That's, I don't, I have met very few people. I mean, I was on a call yesterday with a guy with a severe Crohn's, severe rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. He's in the conventional system as much as anybody could be at 47 years old. And he's looking for somebody with an other perspective. He wants somebody who thinks outside of the box because he is tired of taking a handful of pills. You know, mm. and this is a guy who doesn't, like, didn't grow up eating good food, didn't grow up on, like... I think it's just our own intuition knowing that like, I don't think I'm meant to be sick like this. Right. I don't think I'm meant to be taking pills like this. Mm. And so I, I, the barrier I think is just us as clinicians to get better at marketing, get better at sales. And if there's any clinicians listening to it, I, I'm really, that's a, if fertility, once I'm done with understanding and dealing with fertility, it's like, that's the field that I'm going to step into is to help practitioners really get into this space to be able to express your message in such a way that people understand it and want to buy it versus like, oh, and you're going to have to flip your whole life upside down and it's going to mm. be super difficult. And it's like, people want to do it anyways, but it doesn't have to be that hard, you know? It, it, that's fantastic. I mean, that, that, that was something that you wanted to pursue after this, uh, after this focus on fertility, because I remember my wife going through, um, the schooling and, and there was nothing ever focused on the business side of it. Nothing. And Very, it's just, you we, expect, I got you expect like a, these a, practitioners. A class. Just, <laughs> yeah. You expect these practitioners to just go out there and start their own clinic and the patients are going to roll in. It doesn't work that way. Like, I mean, there's not that awareness compared to yes. a regular, uh, physician, right? So even the, look at there's Kairos, such an awful challenge. right? Look at Kairos. Yeah. There's, I don't know any Kairos who are struggling. And I say that in a sense that most Kairos have a really strong business training. They have a business model mm. that's handed to them. And uh, every time, like I've taken my practice fully virtual because I have not seen a practitioner in the naturopathic field that I'm like, I want to be like this person. They're mm. super successful. They have all this free time. They're making great money. They are helping a lot of people. They have really good boundaries. And I was just like, no, I don't see that. And so I'm, this is why I got business mentorship because, you know, we can create that for ourselves, but you have to learn the skill. You cannot just see patients after patients after patients and hope that one day you won't have to do that anymore. Because truthfully, we love it, yeah. but- you know, at what cost? You want to make sure that you're filling your own cup so you're not burning yourself out too. Have you always been virtual or was that sort of a COVID no, thing? Because you've seen thing. a lot of people training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. COVID thing. That's not something I thought about. And then, uh, I mean, truthfully, it was just like, oh, it this makes it really easy. And I have two kids. Mm. And after I gave birth to my second, it was just like, I want to have the flexibility of being at home. Like I can pop on a call 
on a Saturday and then come back. And then I can also take a Monday off or I can take. And so it just gave me that flexibility. And then, you know, I, now you can get everything delivered to your door. Like I deliver drop ship, all the supplements, all the labs, patients can do their labs at home. It's Mm. so easy now that I just wanted to take advantage of it. Yeah. Is there anything from like being in person though, you think you miss a little bit or um, or even from like the modalities that you use perhaps or? Yeah. You know, it was really hard for me to give up. Like I used to do IVs. I I did a lot Mm. of physical therapy. My husband and I owned a gym. And so it's, I did a lot of physical therapy stuff and it the the thing that I said to myself, it's like, it's not for forever. It's just for now, mm. you know? And I still do that stuff with my family and friends because it's just, you know, I'm a healer. I'm sure that, right, your wife is the same. It's like, mm. it's just second nature. And it was just, it's not, it's not for forever. It's for now. Mm-hmm. And I have good people that I can recommend to in the area and that helps me know that my patients are still taken care of on that aspect if they need it, because here's a great physio, here's a great chiro, here's a great person who can do IV therapy, here's, you know, there's enough of us doing injection therapies, whatever, that I'm not worried about that because sure. it's, you know, it's just one way of dealing with people. Yeah, yeah. And then the focus on fertility, where did that where did that stem from? Because mm-hmm. I mean, you, uh, was there anything else that you, when you came into the field, was there, did you know you were going to go focus on fertility? Was that sort of an evolving no. thing for you? Honestly, I never thought I would because what are the horror stories that I've heard from fertility of like the rounds of IVF, the, mm. just the miscarriages, the losses, the whatever you want to, I deeply believe that there is those women had something really off with them that there's no way natural medicine could touch it, Mm. that they needed those procedures in order to get pregnant. And when I started to have my own kids and my first daughter was no problem getting pregnant, but I was, you know, I was super sick. Like I lost weight in the first trimester. I was getting Mm. cold sores. I was so uncomfortable. And then my labor was like what really did me in. Cause I was like, I'm a naturopath. I'm going to have this beautiful mm-hmm. birth at home and all mm-hmm. natural. Mm-hmm. And it was like the complete opposite from that mm. one push away from a C-section. I pushed for like mm. a six hours. I couldn't walk for two weeks after I was in excruciating mm. pain. Like, and that's when I started thinking to myself, like, if I have this problem and I'm a trained professional and I'm like an athlete and what are these women who don't have these trainings in? Like, how do they do it? Right. And so it scarred me a little bit for to have the second. I waited quite a while to feel ready. And then the pandemic hit, all that jazz. And then when I started to get ready, I was like, I wonder if there's things that I can do to prepare. And so I kind of followed some new, whether it's naturopaths or functional medical doctors that talk about, you know, trimester zero uh, Dr. Demiri talks about that a lot. And I just started to prepare myself. Um, but then physically, I was in the best shape. I, you know, I cleaned up diet. We really cleaned up our environment. Mentally and emotionally, we had a lot going on. We were moving, mm. we were doing all this stuff. But I was like, no, you know, I want to get pregnant right away. I want to give birth in June, whatever month I was, you know, fixated on. And that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. 
and that mm. really started to spiral things for me. I was sharing all my information on Instagram because I was like, I want people to know about this. Like, look, sure. you could do this differently. Of course, I didn't know I was going to have a miscarriage. Um, a lot of guilt, shame, you know, you name it, that came up with that. Uh, but a lot of women... Like start- towards yourself, you mean? Yeah, because I was yeah. like, look at me. I got it figured out. <laughs> right, right, right. And obviously I didn't. And it reminded me that, oh, it's not just the physical. Bringing Mm. a child into this world is not just a, oh, a thing you're going to do on your list. There is a lot more to it than just eating the foods and doing the exercises and drinking the clean water and meditating. There's a deeper connection that has to happen. There's a deeper layer of letting go of control and you know the anxiety and releasing some of those fears and being present Mm. with those fears and so I had a lot of things to process after the miscarriage but it also just opened up my world of how many women had no support had no answers had Mm. no way of supporting their body through the miscarriage they were just told have a dnc or have a Mm -hmm. you know here's a medication go home or go home and wait you know um and that just feels so powerless. And this is when I was like, okay, I need to, I, this is a really big opportunity for me to step in and to help this community because I feel like they were really underserved. I believe it's still really underserved and taken advantage of because you are so, the desire to have a child is so strong that you are willing to do anything. And I believe that we don't have to, like there's no badge of honor of how much pain you go through to meet your child. Sure. Yeah. And so I don't think we need to, the approach needs to be, how can we bring you back to balance? How can we fill your cup? How can we connect to you and your partner more, help you feel more fulfilled in life as opposed to this medication, this procedure, try again, mm-hmm. try again, try again, without any testing, without any answers, just Try again and see what happens. You know, I'm Mm. like, that's insane. And so, you know, what I said before, I believe that these women were really screwed up. And it was like, they weren't screwed up. They're not. They're just underserved. They're not, there's no explanations. They have thyroid issues. They have blood sugar dysregulation. Mm. They have weight loss resistance. They have anxiety. They have IBS. They're stressed out and nobody's connecting the dots for them. They're Mm -hmm. just like, nope, doesn't, doesn't impact your fertility. It's like, what do you mean it doesn't impact your fertility? You're the thing that's growing the baby. Your cells are the cells that are going to make the baby. And of course, the sperm, everything in your life impacts your fertility. Your fertility Mm. is your health. So because if pregnancy is a natural process and it's not happening, my question is why? You know, as opposed to try this procedure, let's force the body, let's force the body to ovulate. Why is it not ovulating? The, you know. the, the approach and the process just seems so robotic from a conventional sense, yes. almost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way you described it, like just uh, there are so many things to consider. And I want to uh, dig into that a little bit more. But um, first of all, thank you for sharing uh, your, your personal story. I really appreciate that. Uh, but just you kind of touched on just people are wanting information. There's so much information out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do people... Like what's what's your advice to people when it comes 
to navigating through all that fertility information because it's so far ranging yeah. and how do people like people are just going to get lost in this stuff who do they trust or or yeah. you know so how do you what do you suggest to people when they're just getting started in terms of searching for information for sure it's a really great question because we are in the time of data overload information yeah. overload and i think we need to be aware of that this is what's happening and everybody has a voice everybody has something to say and mm-hmm. um you know including myself right i have a social media account i have a facebook group where mm-hmm. i talk about it so um my advice would be first of all when you're starting to research i think it's great because when you are starting to research that means you are trying to take your health and your fertility into your own hands you're trying to gain some more control and understanding and i want to encourage and support that mm-hmm. but some guidelines around that is don't just uplift your entire life because of something you saw on the internet. What you need to do is, for example, I have a lot of content. I have a podcast, I have a Facebook group, Mm -hmm. and then I have my social media accounts, right, where people can go. And so if you're searching and you find something that intrigues you, can you go down the rabbit hole in this person's world? And the reason that it's important, like I think about how do I make a purchase? How do I make a decision if I want to work with somebody or if I have a problem is I go down the rabbit hole. I'll Mm. binge watch their content. I'll binge watch their podcasts, right? I'll buy the book if there is a book because that's an easy, cheap investment. But if the person doesn't have a bunch of content that you can down like rabbit hole in and to really see if the message aligns for you, a lot of the times it's like there's just not enough substance there. Mm, and so it's just surface level kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so if it's surface level, don't uplift your entire life for it. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense because, again, women will come to me and it's like I'm being sent on this wild goose chase hunt and I have no idea what's what. And mm-hmm. even like when you're looking for a fertility specialist, whether it's conventional or alternative – Can you find information on them? And yeah, testimonials are important, but like, what are they teaching? What are they putting out there? And if they're not putting anything out there, but you know, they have a lot of testimonials, that's still going to be better than no testimonials and they're not really putting anything out there. And so that's kind of my tip to help you sift through the information because there is a lot. Like mm-hmm. I see a ton of little diet advice on social media, like here's a day of what you should eat like. Maybe for this person that worked and maybe for the kind of clientele, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. There's people who are like, oh, I guess I should be a vegetarian. I guess I should be this. Mm. I guess I should be that. And it's like, okay, let's not switch your entire life around because of this but my ultimate guidance is going to be like you need a professional think about the amount like your wife you understand that we went through eight years nine years Mm -hmm. ten years of school we didn't so when i google i google very different things than somebody who Mm -hmm. is specializing in accounting or who is a lawyer (laughs) you know when it comes to health so i would say search the information but Search it with a, I'm looking for someone to help guide me because I don't know anyone. I've never met anyone who's super successful and super, whether it's healthy and family and wealthy, whatever, you know, fulfilled in their career. And they said, I did it all by myself. Like just, I've never met that person. Sure. Sure. So yeah, that's, that's great. That's great advice. 
Yeah, that's a great advice. And, and you know, the whole message of don't know what up in your life, I think is, is really interesting. And I mean, you're, you're someone who said you're a fitness, you were a fitness professional. I'm sure it says you, you seem, I imagine you still work out and such. Of you see so many, you see so many fitness influencers out there, right? Oh. And, and people just die by their word. But like, as you know, like you need to have that tailored approach, right? Everybody, everyone's body is built differently. You can't just, you know, you can't just do the same approach for, for every single person. Right. And so that extends to the field that you're working in, I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. And I mean, understand that sometimes when you see things they and they tell, tell things, it's like they're sponsored, right. Mm. They're sponsored by that brand. And you'd love, I'd love to say that everybody who is sponsored stands behind the brand, but that's not necessarily the case. Mm. Like I've seen athletes stand behind things and I'm like, do you actually drink this stuff? Yeah, totally, right. <laughs> and they probably don't because they're, so I'm, you know, a, a person of high integrity that I don't recommend anything that I don't use. Mm. And I've also unfollowed people and unfollowed, you know, big influencers when I've seen them sign contracts with people, the things that I don't, you know, that I don't value and that I know I'm like, you shouldn't be putting this out there because this isn't good. And I know you're not drinking this stuff, you know, whether it's Red Bull or Gatorade or whatever, some, some mm-hmm. big athletes. And it's like, and if you are, well, you're missing a big point, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, totally, totally. So. athletes who are drinking, who are promoting like Mountain Dew or something like that. I'm like that. You're not drinking that shit. Come on now. Yeah. Um, and if you yeah. are like, you're super inflamed and your joints are hurting and you, yeah. you got made another year in you or so, you know, but that's another field that I used to be more so just because of owning the CrossFit gym and my practice was inside mm. our CrossFit gym that it's athletes are not healthy. That's the whole thing. It's like, just because mm. you see somebody have abs or just because you see somebody mm-hmm. have, you know, a nice family, like that doesn't mean that they're happy or that they're healthy or that it, you have to take that grain of salt with yeah. everything that you're seeing because it's, you know, reality is different. When you think about conventional medicine, what do you feel like is is working well when it comes to fertility? And then what are some parts of it that you're just like, Ugh, I just yeah. like, and I know it's hard to generalize, but just mm-hmm. if you're to, things that maybe really bother you, but things that you're like, you know, uh, that makes sense, I guess, in these yeah. certain situations or... Yeah, you know, and because I talk to women who have exhausted the conventional medical system and who have just had such bad experience, I have a hard time saying that there's like really great stuff when it comes mm. to the conventional medical system. But the truth is um, we do need it in some instances, right? We need, uh, for example, if someone has their, uh, if, if they've had their tubes not like blocked and they need the IVF to, in order to be able, or maybe they're already in menopause or starting to, and that's the only way that they can fulfill their dream to, to become pregnant. Mm. And it's like, it's incredible what it can do. Right. The other component of it is when somebody, cause I, when somebody's trying to get pregnant or they want to get, uh, prevent recurrent pregnancy loss, and I'll run a bunch of lab tests and my thing will say like, hey, you need this amount of time. Like you might need six months, you might need a year. Mm. And that's going to be really hard for somebody to do when they wanted a child two years ago. Right. Yeah. So 
the beauty I think is when you can combine the two worlds that, Hey, we're going to do the best that we can to prepare your system. But for example, if your progesterone is really low, it's going to take a long time to build it up naturally. Um, if, even if it will ever get there, but you know, truthfully, I believe that it does. It's just that most people are not patient enough mm-hmm. that then we have these tools that we can use to help us assess along the way and make sure that we prevent unnecessary heartache, if you will, right? So if it is low progesterone, we're testing every week in the first trimester, we're testing every two weeks after that, and we're uh, adjusting the dosing accordingly and preventing any miscarriages or preterm births. Mm. The, The downside, what I'm seeing now is that, I mean, the system is overwhelmed. Whether you're in Canada or the U.S., it's... Mm-hmm overwhelmed they waiting lines the waiting time is no capacity the waiting time is really long and so by the time you get there it's just like yep you're just going to get this treatment so like your story isn't heard you're just the next case number they nobody's really asking why or hoping you get explanations it's just like try this and see what happens you know and this is where I believe that this, the community is just really underserved. And the fact that we're seeing such a spike in infertility is the other thing that should be raising eyebrows for people, you know, that why is like, I know the system is overwhelmed, sure, COVID, whatever, but why is fertility mm-hmm. such a big issue now? Why are the fertility doctors so overwhelmed, right? Is that right? Is it like, is there, it's, a- uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if overwhelmed is the right word, but I speak to some patients on the East coast. And it's like the waiting time to see a fertility doc is a year. Mm. Yeah. So is there, is you there... ha- to be qualified to be, to see them, you have to wait to see them. You have to wait a year. So you're, Holy. yeah. To that start trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're there. two years, you're just sitting on your hands and trying to sift through Google, trying to figure out what's my next step. Can I really you know, all do the anything about piling it? on, right? Because you're waiting and such, right? So well, and if whatever condition you have isn't getting better, yeah. right? Like if yeah. it's thyroid, if it's low progesterone, if it's autoimmune condition, if it's yeah. fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, like those things are not just getting better. Mm-hmm. Are you? Are you? Have you found success in working with any MDs? Um, because there's always this. There's always seems to be this tension sometimes between naturopathic yeah. doctors and medical doctors, but sometimes you can find a medical doctor, you build that relationship, and then you can really, really serve the patient in a good way. But like when it comes to fertility, have you have you found success in working with MDs? And if you have, what does that look like? Yeah, I to be honest, I don't look. Like okay. I don't reach out to MDs and say, "Hey, I have this." What I tell the way that I advocate for my patients is like, I'll either run the lab work for them so they can go to the doctor and be like, this is what's happening. Mm. And then I'll tell my patients exactly what they need to tell their doctor. So then their doctor's like, Oh yeah, that's right. This is bad. Because again, like I said, um, unless you're already in the fertility space and it's really long and it's whatever, but for the most part, like women and couples are just getting brushed off. Like I have a patient Mm. who has a really low progesterone level and I'm working with her one-on-one and I'm like, okay, let's, and her timeline to try, she is longer. So she wants to just see if we can build it up naturally. 
Um, but then her doctor called her like a month or two months after the fact and was like, oh man, if your progesterone load is this low, it's like two months after she did the lab work, they called mm. and then we're like, oh, we're concerned about your progesterone levels, you know? And it's like, we knew about those results a while back. Uh, so it's just like really backed up. But we, the way that I advocate is I help to educate the patients so then they can ask the doctor. Because what I'll always say is like, you're not asking for the wrong thing. You're just asking the wrong person. Mm. They're not trained in healthcare. They're trained in disease care. So they're looking for disease so they can prescribe you a pharmaceutical. That's literally what they're trained for. And I don't find that it's beneficial for me to go out and put a lot of energy into trying to find a medical doctor or fertility specialist that's willing to work with me. I personally, mm. that's not where I, my time is best spent. So it's, I know that the two worlds need to come together. It's just not something that I've decided to put my energy into yet because I just focus on bringing my patients up. Well, and I think that's fair, and I and I this is purely anecdotal, but like I mean, the naturopath doctors that I do know, it always seems like the effort is one sided. Yes, right? like like that's it. But I I do feel like as a patient though, um, practitioners need to come together for the sake of 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 working 100%. for the patient, right? Like you can't leave patients out in the out in the abyss to be able to navigate through these complex medical conversations. Like that's just not fair to people. Like no, like practitioners need to come together and figure that out. But I can understand your perspective in yep. terms of why you're, why you're I not mean, making efforts. The, and this is the fight, right? The fight is against the system. I never blame the doctors. I blame the mm. system. And the system is so poorly set up. It is not... If the system was for the patient's healthcare, when COVID hit, they would not isolate people. They would not tell people... like They would make groceries affordable, like good quality food affordable. They would tell people mm. to exercise. They would tell people to get vitamin D and lose weight. Instead, put masks on, sit at home, and here's garbage food that you can eat all day, every day. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like there, we, there's such a different agenda in the system. And I, my heart goes out to the doctors that are stuck in it. And truthfully, I feel like there's a lot of doctors who are leaving the system because they are frustrated with it as well that they're not sure. they're overwhelmed they're they have so many people that they're trying to see people are sick they're demanding more lab test results and so i'm not really sure what the solution is you know and uh i'm aware of the problem if you will but it's just uh, coming together is really important i agree i i don't know how we're gonna do that with what's happening right now you know yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> it and, just and, seems and really overwhelming Totally. And, and to be fair to the doctors, like you said, I think the other piece is that, you know, there are patients who just want shortcuts, right? And they're mm -hmm. just wanting to, you know, put band-aids on solutions. And if you're, Absolutely. if you're a medical doctor with all the best intention in the world and to really provide, you know, holistic care or whatever that is, and you have the same person who just wants a pill every time, like that just gets disengaging real, real quick, sure. I bet. Oh, yeah. for sure. No. And like I said, I don't blame the doctor. I blame the system. If you have 10, no more than 10 minutes, you can only talk about one problem at a time. Mm -hmm. You have hundreds of patients that you see a day. You know, it's like I see four to five a day, maybe. And that's my limit. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm taking mm -hmm. a new patient, I can do max two because mm -hmm. I there's so much effort and energy that goes into like my appointments are 90 minutes or two hours yeah, if I'm seeing yeah, the couple. Yeah. Um, it's just a very different ball game. 
of, I don't want to see people for 10 minutes. That's not yeah. the path that I have chosen. And, you know, when it comes to fertility and fertility specialists, like it's not, I'm really open to getting those conversations. But I think right now it's what I'm focusing on is really just giving the control and the confidence back to my patients so then they can navigate the best that they can and understand that, oh, this advice is good, this isn't. Because truthfully, I think we can tell when you're like, mm, something doesn't feel right here, you know? And so what I teach is like, let's follow that and I can be that person that bounces back information for you so you can make the right decision and you're not navigating completely alone, but I'm mm -hmm. also not in the office with you. Mm-hmm. I can I can talk about the health system all day I know. long, I Jane. Know. So, uh, we but I do want to I do, <laughs> do want to make sure we focus on um, on your craft and and how you approach how you approach the problem. Um, but just like first, going back to like the abundant information that's out there, what are some what are some myths that you just always see that you just again frustrate you, or you just always have sure. to maybe clarify or correct for people, I guess, on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, I mean that. The big myth is that like you, there's nothing you can do about your fertility. You're just kind of stuck with what you have. Mm. Um, another one is that your fertility journey is not predictable. Like it is what it is and you're just, you can't do anything about it. Where in reality we can, sure, there's miscarriages that just happen. That's part of stepping into you know, starting to try a child, but there's a lot of miscarriages or there's a lot of issues that we could see a mile away. And mm -hmm. if you just did a proper health assessment beforehand, we could say, oh, I can tell that this person is going to struggle to get pregnant because they have XYZ issues, right? And to just demystify that, that most people have no idea. They just think that once I start trying, then there is this problem where in reality, it's like, well, hey, if you have an irregular cycle or if you have really heavy cycle or painful cycle or you have thyroid issues or you have weight, extra weight, and I don't mean like an extra weight that, because um, weight gets such a bad rep. People are, mm. you know, very sensitive about it. It's like, just look at it as a data point. It's like a symptom. You would never feel ashamed if you had a headache, right? People feel so ashamed that they're carrying extra weight. And then it's, oh, but it's because I'm, eating poorly, even if it's because you're eating poorly. Again, I just had a patient yesterday. I'm like, but why are you eating poorly? Is it because you're tired? Is it because you're, you know, like just at your wit ends and you hate your job and you have all this, um, and then it's a dopamine hit. Then you're trying to bring your cortisol down with all the sugar and the, so there's always a root cause, if you will. And the another last kind of myth is that infertility is, very much a disease, but it's a symptom and there's a root cause to it. So a lot of people are just like, oh, I have infertility and then I'm stuck with it. Mm. Just like diabetes, just like what, a, you know, heart disease, we have, we can not only prevent it, but we can understand what's happening and unravel it and treat it. Even things like PCOS and endometriosis, they're all why would your body start to form cysts on the ovaries? Why do you have, you know, endometrial tissue growing outside of your uterus that's really, you know, then obviously painful and crampy? And so a lot of people focus on dealing with the symptoms where I, I'd like to get down into the whys a little bit more. So I know that's 
tapping into another question for you. <laughs> well, so talking about that one myth about um, people not having control in their own infertility, um, when you're working with patients, and I don't know, have, have you worked with a patient where they've gone through your approach and they haven't seen success? And so then if you're trying to really empower them and take control of their own of their own situation so that they can um, hit the goals that they want, but then they're not, then how do you manage that situation then? Because I can imagine that would be really hard for people. For sure. Um, my approach and what I'm really clear on is that I there's no guarantee when it comes to fertility and pregnancy because... Mm you bringing a child into this world, some of that is between you and the big guy. And there's mm -hmm. nothing that I can do in order to unblock that or whatever it is. But what I can do is help you become more in tune and more connected. And what I know is that it's a game of probability. So if I can increase your probability, then there's this, the chances of you getting pregnant is going to be higher right? Because again, there is no guarantee. And this is the whole mm. game that I played at the beginning thinking I'm just going to get pregnant and I'm going to, there is lessons that we as females, we as couples have to learn and we have to become different people in order to be able to conceive. And sometimes people conceive and then they have to become different people. And sometimes you have to become a different person before you can conceive, right? Mm. And so it, we all have our own lessons to learn through the journey. And what I really do is just teach about those different lessons, like how to take care of yourself. And then there's resources to like, if there's a lot of mental and emotional trauma that we have to deal with, then of course, you know, I have resources that I can point them to help them get there. Because the truth is, it's not to say like, if something is not happening still, it's just digging deeper. It's always mm. digging deeper. And I mean, I've had couples who were, who decided they just didn't want to try anymore and they were okay with that because they've already been through the ringer. They've already, before they came to see me and it was just like, I don't want to do it anymore. And it's like, that's okay. That's feeling in control and confident of your journey because True. you yeah. are deciding what you want to do. And really, I mean, I just rely on data and I'm really transparent with my people. And I say, here you go, like follow these steps and do these things. And, you know, I walk them through step by step and we just keep digging deeper. Sometimes it's all physical and sometimes it's all mental and emotional and sometimes a combination of all three. So it's really just continuing to peel the layers back and then it's, your own spiritual journey. Like I said, bringing mm. a child into this world is not just something we can pencil in. And what my greatest hope is that people start taking it. I don't want to say that people don't take it seriously because they do, but what we focus on is on the wrong thing. It's like you focus on having the right career and you focus on buying the house. It's like how many people spend, you know, five grand on lab testing to see, to assess their health. And then like, 300 to 500 bucks a month on supplements to like, and then change their diet and do all this stuff mm -hmm, for six mm -hmm. months to a year before they're ready to start trying. I don't know anybody. Right. And like when I talk, 
what I wanted to do is I was like, I'm going to tell people how to prepare for pregnancy. And people were like, yeah, but I'll just start trying and see what happens. So it's like they're not ready for that message mm -hmm. yet because you have to be in a certain level of pain in order to say, I want to invest into lab testing. I want to invest into understanding what's going on into my body. And then I want to invest into, you know, figuring it out. So um, to answer your question, it's like I haven't, to be honest, like I haven't hit it a point where people mm. were like, frustrated that they're not, I mean, they're frustrated that they're not getting the results, but they very much understand why. And so they don't yeah. feel like they're spiraling because they have answers. And so they still feel in control, but they might be frustrated with their journey, but I can't take that away. Right. Like I can't take those emotions away and the body just takes time to heal. So you just got to give it time. Yeah. Across the board, what would you say? Are there any sort of, um, truths or like no-nos when it comes to things that are impacting people with uh when it comes to fertility or infertility issues like what are some things that you commonly say here yeah. are some drivers here are some typical contributing factors that across the board uh, sure. i feel confident in saying because as we, we've talked about everyone's yes, different yeah. but like there's got to be some across the board things maybe that are true yep. for everyone maybe I don't oh know. yeah well diet is a big one i see this is the biggest mistakes that i see people making um, women will diet while trying to get pregnant because they want to lose a little bit of weight. They oh, okay, found that kind of diet. That, okay. Yeah, yeah. Dieting like low caloric yeah. because they yeah. want to feel skinny before they get pregnant because they're going to get mm. fat. Um, I see people doing the diet fads like a ketogenic diet mm -hmm. or intermittent fasting because that's really great for my health. And it's actually one Can of the worst things. Can you intermittent fast while you're pregnant? Like, is that... Never. That doesn't make no, any sense. it doesn't make okay. any sense. Yes. Yeah. And you wouldn't because it's... There's... When you're pregnant, there's like a very survival instinct that kicks in. And you just... Depending on how your first trimester goes, but mm -hmm. you just... I mean, for me, my first trimester and my first pregnancy was like, what can I keep down? You know? Mm -hmm. And what I was eating was like, this is atrocious for a naturopath. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why yeah. I was like, this is crazy. Like, you know, and then I would feel sick and I would feel worse because, you know, I didn't want to eat those foods, but that's all I could keep down the white stuff. Um, so diet is a big one. And then with exercise, I see a lot of women just continuing the biggest, like here's how I would summarize it is that you don't make any change before you're getting ready to get pregnant. So it's like you're stepping into this whole new aspect of life that you're trying to do and you make zero changes. So you keep mm. doing the diet that you're doing. You keep exercising the way that you're exercising. You keep working the way that you do, sleeping, you name it. Like your lifestyle does not change. And what I taught even when, you know, I was in the health and fitness more with my naturopathic practice is like becoming in tune with your cycle and then training with your cycle. So even throughout the month, we as females have times where it's better to do higher intensity and heavier weight versus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lower intensity, more technique focused, lower, uh, you know, just more walking and stretching mm -hmm. and yoga and that kind of stuff. So even within a cycle, we should change how we exercise and how we eat and how we treat our body, let alone a big cycle in our life. Like I'm preparing my body to carry a child, to make a child from scratch. I think people just really underestimate that. 
And then the component with the male factor is that usually it's the females that are doing all the stuff and the males are just kind of on the side. Like, just <laughs> tell me when you're ready, you know, and it's, right. it needs yeah. to be this thing where you come together. I always say there's four things that need to happen for a, a, a conception to occur. And, you know, to make it to your point, like there's some research and studies that uh, with TCM and traditional Chinese medicine, just mm -hmm. going back hundreds of years where like they don't believe in infertility they don't believe in infertility mm. they look at imbalance in the body and that's mm. the approach that i take it's like why is that if this is a natural process why isn't it happening and right. don't get me wrong there's some genetic components there's some people i was gonna who, ask you about that too like are there any genetic factors that yeah contribute the, to absolutely but yeah. the amount of people is it's such a small percentage mm-hmm and the amount of people that are struggling with fertility, it's like you're not the genetic component. You're not the original snowflake, if you will. Mm. <laughs> you know, I like to think like, yeah, I'm that special case. And it's like, no, you're the 95%. The 5% of, you know, the men who were born, born with uh, basically no, no ability to produce sperm or maybe the female that was born with no ovaries, like that's a genetic. Mm. Having slow and sluggish sperm having poor ovarian reserve at the age of 30 is not a genetic issue. Mm. It's an oxidative damage issue. It's a hormonal, like there is things that are causing it to not be where it needs to be. And whether it's because you were on birth control, whether it's because you were exposed to other toxin in life, maybe you had whatever disease, illness that you didn't even know about, we need to dig, you know, we need to dig deeper. But the four components that everybody needs in order for conception to be successful is you need a good quality egg, you mm. need a good quality sperm, you need the desire, both partners need to have a strong desire to have a child with one another, and you need the baby room to be ready. And the baby room is the mm. first room that the baby will grow in, which is the womb, the uterus. So you need to have good lining. You can't be too thin. It can't be too thick. You need to have good blood flow. You need to have good nutrient flow to the area. Mm. There, right? If we have a lot of restrictions and whether it's abdominal or microbiome, the reproductive microbiome is a big topic of research right now mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't have hostile bacteria, whether it's in the gut or in the uterine lining. It's we're walking bacteria. We mm. are one-to-one -one ratio cells of human to bacteria cells. So if you have candida, if you have yeast, bacterial vaginosis, parasites, whatever, you name it, like the stuff that I see on the tests, it's like there is no wonder that's a hostile environment. It's the mm. baby room isn't ready. We need to get the baby room ready, right? Mm. And this is where I was saying I'd love for people to focus more on getting themselves ready, their physical bodies in better shapes and better health than saving up for the house that the baby will grow in. And it's like, right. the, yeah. the baby doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You know, not for a long time. And then we make it care. We're the humans who are like, you should care about the nice room that you have. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's So yeah, you totally threw me off when you said baby room. I was like, mm -hmm. where is she going with that? I thought mm -hmm. you were going through some... I yeah, painted blue or yellow or green, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, the room. And this is where I'm like women, you need to, you are the thing that's going to grow this baby. You need to be overflowing with energy and good nutrition and vibrance, not 
overwhelmed, like anxious and just at your wit's end. For sure. When I meet women and they're been slapped with unexplained infertility and it's like you haven't pooped for three days or you can't stop pooping, your anxiety is through the roof, you're breaking out, your hair is falling out and your period is all over the place. I think we have an explanation, guys. <laughs> mm. You know, like really unexplained. Oh, but your markers are all normal. What markers are you testing? <laughs> what what are they normal? And then like, what's the range, right? Oh, the super wide range where if you hit one more point over, you're actually in disease state. Like, you know, let's. Uh, this is where I'm like, we got to... This is what I want people to know and understand is that there's an explanation for how you feel and why you feel that way. And it goes back to when I was having my IBS flare-ups and I just thought that I had to work out harder and change it, continue to do a different juice cleanse or whatever cleanse. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I had a professional show me that, oh, you need to stop doing these things and you need to deal with your emotions because you're freaking out a bunch about stuff that doesn't exist, you know, and bringing out my past traumas and healing them and then learning how to nourish myself based on what my body's telling me versus what I saw, uh, you know, the Jennifer Lopez do or whatever, whoever mm -hmm. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a skill. I learned that skill and then I have it now for the rest of my life. And so I think it's important for couples who are thinking about getting pregnant or are struggling to like learn the skill of how to be healthy because if you have a child with that same issue and I always say that to women if you don't figure out your heavy periods and you have a baby girl and she has heavy periods what are you going to do you're going to put them on birth control because that's what our parents did because they had no mm -hmm. idea what to do so mm -hmm. I feel like we as a generation if you're in your 30s late 20s to, you know, let's say early, uh, early 40s, we didn't get that. Our moms didn't know what to do. Sure. And so they just trusted the conventional medical system to say, I have women who've been on birth control for 20 years since they were 12 years old. They don't know what their period is like. That's a mm. huge problem. And she straight up was like, my mom had no idea what to do with me. Learn, learn so you can pass this skill on to the next generation because we do not, as a population right now, we do not have that skill. If you mm. are healthy, if you are fit, if you have glowing skin, you are the, you're the anomaly. And it's mm. sad to say, but it's true. I, if you, I've traveled a couple times in the last year and it was like, where are all the healthy people? <laughs> where, are, where are they? Honestly, it was just like, what happened? Everybody's overweight. Everybody's exhausted. Everybody's, you know, totally. pale. And, and I get it. It's been stressful. Don't get me wrong. But we need to learn the skill. We need to learn it so we can pass it on to the next generation. You, is that what the, the zero trimester uh, alludes to? Is just before actually conceiving mm -hmm. is all that prep work that you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that, um, this, where I learned and started to follow it's Dr. Demiri, I'm blanking on her, Afrazuz, I think maybe is her last name, but she was one of the teachers actually in my school and okay. she is a fertility, natural fertility specialist pra practices in California, I believe. And she has this program called trimester zero. And that's where it kind of started to mm. hit some 
um, strength for me to be like, oh, this is interesting, right? Preparing for pregnancy. That makes sense. Why wouldn't you do mm-hmm. that? And so, you know, th- there's a lot of different programs out there like that, uh, whether, you know, different naturopaths, I would say, that preparing, you know, get your eggs in the best quality that you can and the glowing sperm or whatever the names are, there's different names, but the idea is that you're preparing before you get pregnant because most people will say, oh, once I'm pregnant, then I'll do these things. And it's like, you really won't because you won't be that first trimester, first three months, you feel awful. Most people do. But what I'm saying is like, you don't have to. I felt 10 times better with my third pregnancy than I did with my first Mm. because I did all the prep work. That you know? worked, yeah. 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 And then I felt I, like I wanted to eat better foods when I was in my trimester. Like I only had a week where it was like, bring me Greek food every day. Right. <laughs> Other than that, I did okay. You know, it was like, I can make a smoothie and I can put some greens and I can, you know, eat these whole foods and I can eat a salad. Whereas in the first trimester with my first kid, it was like crackers and, you know, I'm eating saltine crackers and canned soup it was like oh my god like i mm, there's no nutrition in this what am i and then i would be throwing it up half the times <laughs> yeah 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 I, I was gonna ask if there was any sort of weird things that you ate um and if there was something different i guess between the first and the, the third mm-hmm. pregnancy yeah i mean the first pregnancy was just uh threw me in for a loop and mm. the first trimester was like I said I would just you're just trying to put anything in your mouth to help help the nausea and the discomfort go away I do remember having a lot of cravings for sushi and I mean you just get you know you're not getting the big fish and you're basically just imitation crap but there was like nights it was like four nights in a row I was like hey guys it's us again same order (laughs) yep put it in (laughs) where I had a lot more diversity in the second and just I learned a lot more about how to actually eat and I did a lot Mm. of bone broths and I did you know some juices that were really good nutrient based and then stews and just things that really helped to feel like it built me from the inside out and I carried that through postpartum and my recovery was, you know, it's like I could walk the next yeah. day after giving birth. I couldn't yeah. walk a lot or far, but I was like, oh my God, I can walk, you know, mm. versus it's like somebody helped me go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My wife, uh, she had a craving of like Cheetos, but then she's like, I'm not going to have the actual Cheetos. I'm going to try to find like this natural healthy version. And she's like, it was not the same. No. Did she end up getting the Cheetos though? Uh, she didn't actually get regular Cheetos. She just okay. stayed with the natural ones. She yeah. just couldn't do it, but she was she wasn't satisfied. Was yeah, I had a huge craving for like Skittles or Sour Patch, and yeah. um, this was actually really frustrating for my husband because I was like, okay, I have this craving, just do it. It's crazy, and he would get me like the biggest bag, and I would have one, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I can't have this. And he's, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the same. I was like, I need this canned soup, this beet. And he like bought a giant Costco size. And I'm like, can't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I need these pierogies. And then like, you know, whatever, two two days later, I was like, no, 
you got to get it out of the house. So we did a lot of like, what do I do with this crap that I bought now? And so we learned our mistake the second time in the through the third pregnancy where he was like, I'm just going to buy two cans. And then if you're good, then we're good. <laughs> I was going to say the fellows just overreact because we're worried about everything. We just want to give you what you want right at that moment. Yeah. Well, you see the discomfort, right? You're yeah, just yeah. like, man, like she's super uncomfortable and needs this. And like the amount of time he had to drive out at 10 p.m. to go get Greek food or whatever food, you know, <laughs> cheesecake. It's like... It's a it's a wild time. It's a wild time, yeah. and so I think that it's important to kind of prep yourself for that, so you can. And I mean, truthfully, you can just like I said after I did the groundwork, I I, I wasn't as sick. I was able to mm. do so much more throughout my pregnancy, and people are always would say, "Oh my goodness, you make it look so easy," and it's like. Let me show you all the things that I'm doing. Because <laughs> it's, it's almost not, like a compliment right? when someone says you, of course. you're making it look easy because that just shows all the work you put into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I never say like, yeah, it is. You know, yeah, yeah, I no, always sure. say yeah, yeah. because I, I don't want people to think that health is a fluke. Right. I think that's yeah. really important when people compliment mm-hmm. my children on how healthy they look or how vibrant they are. It's like my daughter has been taking supplements since the day she was born. Right. And it was mm. like vitamin D and probiotic. Now she's taking mm-hmm. a little bit more stuff depending on what's mm. going on for her. But, you know, I had my one year old walk up today and open her mouth to take a probiotic and she just <laughs> yeah. loves it. Right. And she yeah. chews on it and it's fluffy yeah. and whatever. But it's and then here are the foods that we eat. Here's the things that I, I do with them. Here's what I teach them about. You know, I'll put mm. castor oil packs on my five-year-old and it's just like (laughs) people don't they think that it's oh you're just lucky and this is where I'm like no it's not luck if you want to do this you can too and I'll show you how to do it and it's always you know you choose your hard it's hard to be overweight it's hard to choose salads you know when I say salads because it's not really what you're going to eat but like it's hard Mm. to work out choose your hard you know for the for the dads or the student or the projected dads, I guess, yep. what do you tell them to focus on? Uh, their health. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. though, like um, a lot of men now are also like male factor infertility is a huge thing right now. It's forty mm. to sixty percent of male factor infertility. Wow. Which is crazy. It's insane yeah. and. You know, I have a young couple that I'm working with right now. They're 29. They've been trying for three years, unexplained Mm -hmm. infertility. And when we look at his sperm account and it's like, this is your sperm at 29? That's crazy, you know? And it's like, it's within normal limits, but the limits are so wide that it's Mm -hmm. like something isn't right here, you know? And um, so for men, because you produce sperm, every single day right like so the sperm maturation from zero Mm. to a fully mature sperm is about two and a half months Mm. so the beautiful thing whereas like females are born with all their eggs so the beautiful Mm. thing with males is like it is the sperm the sperm is the cells that you make so the quality of the sperm that you make is the direct correlation of what's going on in your health your testosterone levels your oxidant level like oxidation antioxidants i should say protein fats like how well you're eating how well you're detoxifying are you sweating on a regular basis are you drinking enough water and urinating are you pooping 
every day or two to three times a day? Do you have skin rashes? Like mm. all those things are going to literally be a direct of what's going on with a sperm. And I say the beautiful thing is that's like you change your diet. So the things that you're doing today is going to help make your sperm two months from now. So we almost need to have this longer term view because it's the same thing with female where I have women who are like, I'm ready. I'll take my IUD out. I'm going to give my body a month and then we want to start trying. Okay, you've been on birth control for 10 years. You want to give your body one <laughs> month to balance? Are mm. you like, what? <laughs> You're one month, your body's just like, I'm free. Do, what do I do now? <laughs> so just to like kind of wrap that around, but for males, it's you need to sweat, you need to exercise, right? Build muscle, that jazz, because that's your testosterone levels. That's your motivation. You're going to feel good. Um, you're going to have a better libido. Mm. And then you need to eat high quality food because the food mm. that you eat makes your cells, including your sperm. And the, the toxic component is really important. So the environmental toxin and sweating is if the male isn't like evacuating every day, not drinking enough water, not sweating, then the sperm can become this kind of dumping ground for toxins because the body is always just going to try to purge toxins, right? It doesn't want them in the system. And the easiest way for us to get toxins out is through pooping, right? Urinating and sweating and breathing out. So heavy breathing, we breathe a lot of stuff out in our lungs. And so if that's not happening, then we're, it's being dumped somewhere, and the sperm is one of those places for the males. So we want to make sure that if you are getting ready to have a baby soon with your partner, that you are jumping on the same train that she is, mm. eating well, exercising. Your exercise is going to be different than hers because you're not, you know, you're not trying to reserve. You're just trying to build. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, like avoiding toxins, like toxins is the thing that's ruining all of us right now, I believe. I love that frame about, um, well, as you said, with, with females, uh, eggs are, uh, the eggs you have are from birth. Um, but with men, your, the quality of your sperm is based on your health. Like that's a really easy frame and, and, and that's really good. Um, the, the toxins piece, I would just think though that like the body is designed in a way to protect those sperm as much as possible, right? Like it, so, so I'm not saying that it can't be immune to to that it's immune from toxins, but like when you say dumping ground, like is maybe tell me a little bit about that more because I would just I just remember um, I remember a midwife telling us that uh, when my wife was pregnant that your body will do everything it can to protect that baby, right? For like sure. it'll it'll almost like sacrifice you yes. for that baby, oh, like yeah. the way your body. It, it was like whoa, that's that's just philosophically that's just yep. something different for me. So I was like, ah, I wonder if like when you're telling me this, I wonder if like from a male's perspective, if if your body's doing everything it can to ensure the quality of its sperm. And it so does. when it comes to toxins, like will it maybe will it try to not have that be a dumping ground? But you're saying it is, so I want to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean it's a dumping ground if other places are not dumping. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, if yeah, yeah, you yeah, are yeah. literally not pooping. If right. you are like, if, and constipation is a real thing for most people now, right? Like you're not pooping on a regular basis. Mm. If you're not drinking enough water and you're not peeing and that on a, like avoiding on a regular basis, you're not sweating that it has to go somewhere. 
And mm-hmm. so it becomes a dumping ground if you're not detoxifying. But the problem is that you are going to be quite toxic. And so the midwife is right, and it is your body is so smart, it's going to try to protect both the egg and the sperm and the fetus when um, when it's formed and the fertilization happens. But what's happening is we're living in a toxic soup of a world right now. Mm. So when you see sperm that's misshapen, a lot of the times it's heavy metal toxicity. It could, when you see sperm that's really slow moving, there's usually some sort of bacteria or mold or an infection because your body is constantly fighting something. So it doesn't have these reserves to make the sperm and the egg the way that it needs to. And it's going to come down to mitochondria. We talk about mitochondria as this powerhouse of the cell. And Mm. every cell, let's say on average, has 2,000 to 10,000 mitochondria. The ovary and the sperm is about 100,000. And you are 100,000 to 150,000 mitochondria per cell. And then there's some brain and nerves systems that have, they've researched like 2 million or something, 1.5, 2 million mitochondria per cell. So mitochondria is like crucial for energy production and vitality, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it has two roles. It's either powerhouse or it's battleship and it's a teeter totter. If it's in battleship, it's in battleship. It's not in powerhouse mode because what's the first thing that happens when you get sick? Boom, your energy drops, right? And so you have enough of these mitochondria that are, and what are they sensitive to? Parasites, infections, toxins, heavy metals, environmental toxins like plastics, phthalates, volatile um, organic compounds that are surrounding our entire system. And what I'm seeing now in the 25-year-olds and the 30-year-olds when I test their environmental toxic load is that their load is so high that there is no way that they accumulated this while they were on the planet. This was in vitro when they were fetus development or even infant, they got really high exposure. Because when you're testing the placenta, when you're testing that cord for toxins, Mm -hmm. the amount of stuff that's in. So what's happening is we're not, we're already starting at a lower base. And so it's not that it's not true that the sperm and the egg are going to always fight and protect and do the best. It's just, we're starting lower and lower and lower. And Mm -hmm. this is why we're seeing this huge rate of infertility and huge rate of PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, Mm. all those things are hormonal disorders. Our mitochondria makes our hormones. It makes our sex hormones. It makes our cortisol. Mm. We don't have adrenal fatigue. You have mitochondrial dysfunction. That's what's happening. Why would your adrenals stop producing cortisol at 30 years old? Do you know what Mm. I mean? Like that's not a, this is an, if like you're a practitioner listening to this, I, I do not use the term adrenal fatigue anymore because that doesn't exist. Why would your adrenals stop working? And so you're saying it's come back to the mitochondria. Mitochondria. You got to come back down to cellular level. What's happening in the cell that's supposed to be doing the work? Why is it not doing the work? And if you test and you look at the environmental, and like I said, I have 25-year-olds where it's like, this is insane. You know, and I've tested mm. 70 year olds, their environmental toxins, and they be- came back with barely anything, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, how is it possible that you've been on this planet for 70 years, but you haven't accumulated half as much as this person who's only been on the planet for 25 years. 
And when you dig deeper into the research and you look at what's causing hormonal dysfunction and why so many people have PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, uh, because those diseases are very very hormonally driven, it's endocrine disrupting chemicals. The timing Mm. of exposure is crucial for endocrine disrupting chemicals and it's fetal, infants, and children are at highest prevalence. And that's true for anything, right? Not developed. The system is not developed. It cannot comprehend. It cannot, doesn't have a full immune system. It doesn't have its detoxification organs that have been developed. So it just, boom, seeps into the tissue and genetic code is turned on. Here we go. Now we have, and this is what I was saying about, like we have an opportunity to heal ourselves so we can stop passing this stuff onto our kids and to become aware of what is going on in our environment, what is going on in our bodies, so we can stop just passing this stuff on. Because that's all we're doing. We're just passing it on. And it sounds like to some extent, though, we I don't know if we can even stop. So I, read, I read a study that recently that um, they found that within the umbilical cord, like the blood, that there's like 21 forever chem- forever chemicals or whatever, right? And um, yeah. yeah, I imagine that those can be. It's so an uphill battle. It's an uphill yeah. battle for sure. Um, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Cellcore is a company that I use. They have no. made some groundbreaking products that actually help to pull this crap out of our tissue. It's been Cellcore. Okay. Cellcore, yeah, they're yeah. a company out in the states. So that's you know, instead of throwing a bunch of nutrients at people, that's what I really focus on is is getting mm. rid the body needs two things to heal. It needs to remove the obstacle and give it the nutrients that it needs. And a lot of the times we don't realize what the obstacle is. And so I help people find what that obstacle is in their body. Because if you have, you know, severe overgrowth of candida and you have all this stuff that's going on in the gut, your body can't heal. It's managing all the stuff. And then it's impacting your mitochondria. And like I said, when I have people with low progesterone, I'm like, what's going on with their mitochondria? Why is their mitochondria not? And then they'll say, oh, it's because I have adrenal fatigue. No, you're tired because you're mitochondria. And sure enough, every time it's either heavy, it's some sort of environmental toxin that's really high, or they have infections, infections in their gut, infections in their reproductive system that have been there for years. Mm -hmm. And so the system is just done. Like it's tired, you know? And when we pull it out, sure enough, I had... A patient messaged me the other day. She's like, I sang while making breakfast. I haven't done that in years. And I know that this is a good sign because I had energy to sing. And it was just yeah. like, good for you, girl. I'm really happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you, just really quickly, um, I, I realize the sort of the time we're hitting right now, but um, from the mitochondrial side, what's a what's your approach to that in terms of uh, you got to pull out, Yeah, you got to pull out the toxins and you got to okay. build it up to, I mean, like I said, I use Cellcore products. They have some amazing, they have carbon technology, what they call it. And so um, small chain, medium chain, and uh, large chain carbons that basically are energized. I'm going to brutal what they say all over their stuff, but to a, you got to pull out the toxins. You got to pull out the thing that's not allowing it. And then you got to bring energy in, uh, to, to restore the function. And so whether it's the, you know, they'll have products that are like hydroxygen that helps to actually bring oxygen to the cells. And then you Mm -hmm. have, um, 
I, I don't use a lot of things like CoQ10 because they just have a product that's really designed to help boost up mitochondria. And so I just use that product and mm. uh, to, to help bring that up. And then, like I said, pulling things out. And then from a diet perspective, it's like, you just got to eat whole foods. You got to eat real food. You got to understand where your food is coming from, where your water is coming from. Are you mm. really drinking clean water or in it's, I use this kind of like shower head bathtub analogy where the shower head is all the clean water that's coming in. You got to make sure your environment is as clean as possible but it's the drain and the sewer that we got to open up and make sure that it's working. Mm. So everybody's liver and gallbladder is backed up. So they don't produce new bile. They're not detoxifying on regular basis or not enough. And so it's just recirculating and adding to the load. And so it's just allowing that system to flow smoothly. And like I said, when, like I do a lot of parasite cleansing, again, it depends whether it's E. coli or whatever bacteria I find. And people are just like, Oh, I'm a new person. And for males, like um, mold is a big one. Fungus, like if you mold, have yeah. athlete's foot, that's fungus overgrowing in your system. And people mm -hmm. are just like, oh, I've always had that. Or they'll mm -hmm. have the spots on their arms. And they're like, yeah, it's just been there for forever. It's like, that's a chronic infection, man. That's a chronic mm -hmm. infection that your system is constantly fighting for. <laughs> and I say this because my husband used to have all this stuff too. And mm -hmm. he was just like, oh, it's been part of my life. Struggles to lose weight, tired, fog, brain fog, you know, and it's like irritated, has low testosterone. You're just like, you got to get this crap out of your system, become aware yeah. of your environment. And then all of a sudden, you know, your health changes and I, your health, if your fertility is going to re reflect your health, your environment is going to reflect. If your health reflects your fertility, your environment reflects your health. And mm. it's everything in your environment, whether it's a moldy house, maybe it's the relationship that you're in, maybe it's your work environment, maybe it's the quality of the food that you're eating, maybe it's the water that you're drinking, but something is in the environment not allowing you to thrive and we got to figure that out. And truthfully, it's like if you're consistent, persistent, and you stick with it, like it works, right? <laughs> Yeah, toxins are uh, the way you describe toxins are like everywhere. Like you said, something is oh, resisting at work. You got like those mental toxins, those things that are just weighing you down. Physical sure. toxins. I love when I I sauna every uh, every weekend for a couple like every Friday, Saturday night or whatever for like forty forty five minutes, and it just I feel so great after. It's amazing. Like, it's yeah. amazing. We we bought a sauna over COVID. It was like a COVID purchase because we couldn't go yeah. away anywhere, yeah. and I was yeah. like, screw it, we're buying a sauna. And it's like your joints don't hurt, your skin oh. is glowing, you your yeah. sleep, like I track my sleep and all that is like 10 times better. It's just like, yeah, th there's, there's something to this. And this is where, mm -hmm. you know, I'm really passionate about naturopathic medicine, obviously natural health. And I hate it when people say it doesn't work because it's like, it's not that it doesn't work. It's that either you didn't get the right instructions or you didn't get deep mm. enough into the root cause or you didn't yeah. give it enough time. And so, you know, I work really closely with people because my reputation is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're doing an online self-paced program, I can't guarantee results. But when you're working with me, it's like, I'm going to figure this out for you so you can understand what's going on. So then you can take the right steps in order to fix because, you know, I just truly believe, like I said, it's if you're not thriving, if you're not where you want to be, something is in your environment and let's find that out. And mm -hmm. 
you know, we just had radon remediated from our house yesterday. And <laughs> that was my first exposure because we moved three months ago and all of a sudden all our ratings are off. We're exhausted. My heart rate, I have heart palpitations. Mm. I was like, okay, I must be stressed. And then I was like, oh, you know, I stopped taking iron and I'm still breastfeeding. And like, we just went down this rabbit hole. They removed it. And I'm like, call me crazy. I feel better today. And my readings are improving already. And it's just mm. like, that's like, how do you explain that? You don't yeah. have to. Here's the data. I feel better and I, I don't. Like, you know, there's just things that some sometimes we're not even aware of, right? And so yeah. um, being diligent and persistent to be like, no, I can fix this. You just have to yeah. keep digging. Um, I want to shift to our two questions that we ask every Please. guest. But before I, do, before I do that, just I guess how would you summarize if someone says to you, how do I get pregnant naturally? What do you, what do you, what's your sort of yeah. summary answer on that? What's preventing you from getting pregnant naturally? Everybody struggles with different things and it's, you have to figure out what's your story, what's preventing you from getting pregnant naturally. For mm. some people, it's low progesterone, but then it's, you know, it's candida, it's yeast, it's an environmental toxin. For some people, it's stress and they're working night shifts. For some people, it's not feeling connected with our partner not being on the same page for some couples it's both of their health for some it's thyroid it's whatever everybody has their reason if you will and so that needs to be the approach it's this individual unique thing versus here are the general things that you should do in order to optimize your fertility and that's when the diet things and the exercise and you should sleep well like those things apply to everyone. There's, of course, different things in fertility, like you need to eat more protein and fats versus, mm -hmm. you know, you need to do less intense exercise. But that's a general statement. If you are personally struggling with fertility or recurrent pregnancy loss, we have to find out why that's happening for you. And what I would say is don't stop at a diagnosis. Don't stop at, oh, I have PCOS and that's why. Why do you have PCOS? Mm. Right? Like, why is your body expressing PCOS in the environment that you are in? Why is your body expressing endometriosis? Because people will always like, oh, it's because I have this and that's why. And then right away you block yourself from seeing other solutions. And like I said, I always go to the function of the cell. Why is the cell not doing what it's supposed to be doing? Or why is it acting out? How can we, and then you can use things to help bring down that inflammation or whatever it's going on. But I always say you have to treat the why and the what at the same mm -hmm. time. If you're just treating the what, you're going to be there all the time. I can't tell you how many people are like, I'm taking all this adrenal support and it's not working. I know it's not, <laughs> you know, like because you have this raging infection you don't know about or you are mm -hmm. filled with this stuff or you have whatever, get deeper and deeper and deeper. And peel the onion, right? One yes, peel the onion, yeah. peel it. Yeah. All the layers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's move to these last few questions. So um, our five for dinner question, dead or alive, who are five people you'd want to have dinner with? And I guess, would you have them together or individually? Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I saw that question, I was like, oh, this is really hard because I feel like that would change based on where I am in my life. So where I am in my life is I am really focused on getting my message out and also like really learning about from like the cell core practitioners and the information and the research. 
So it wouldn't be all together. Um, Layla and Alex Hermosi are really big business people that I have been following. They're very powerful in their message in terms of how they've just created, you know, hundred million, 200 million com- dollar companies, whatever. Mm. And they just inspire me to be like, how can we put, bring this into the healthcare world? You know, like this mm. is the whole, how can we, there's so many companies out there and we as naturopaths are our own little companies, if you will. Yeah. But like, how yeah. can we get more efficient in what we are providing? How can we be more effective and how can we impact more people? And so they really inspire me. I'd love to just sit down with them and pick their brains and just be like, tell me everything you know, you know, di- <laughs> in here and I would probably invite Taki more to that he is a mentor that I'm a part of the mentorship group that I'm in he created called Black Belt Um, and I like I admire the guy for his coaching ability and how much energy he puts into the people to help us figure out our business and the coaches Mm -hmm. that he's you know put in place so I would invite them three and then the owners of um, Cellcore the CEOs of Cellcore which is Mm. Jay and Jay Davidson and Dr. Todd Watts, they're both docs, but they're just, I've been watching their content and they're mind blowing and groundbreaking in what they're doing, bringing people back from the dead, you know, showing (laughs) what healing is possible Mm. and, you know, just they're fascinating people. So I would love to have dinner with them. You've listed five people that I have never heard of, but they sound so fascinating. Usually all my guests, I know at least one person, but you're oh, the first two I haven't. Yeah, <laughs> well, so then you get to look them up. I, you know, cause 100%. I was like, I would love to, sure. Like Robin Williams would be super fun right. and awesome to me. Right. And what, a, and there is a ton of other people, but I'm like, but who would I really want to do that with now? You know, it's mm. like, who is yeah. impacting my life yeah. right now the most and it's yeah. like, these are the five people. This is the content that I'm consuming. These are the people who are pushing me to pursue my work in a different way. And, you know, on both levels, not just clinically, but also as a business professional. So it's that those are the people that I'd want to now. Maybe in, if we meet again in six months from now, I'd say somebody different. But Well, I think those five people really show that like you're in your craft, like you're, you're in this right now and you're Mm -hmm. exploring and sharing and like, this is your thing right now. Right. Yeah. It's um, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last question, uh, besides the circle of life, what do you know for sure? (sighs) That naturopathic medicine works. (laughs) Honestly, that, and what I, what I really mean by that is that our body has an incredible ability to heal. It has given the nutrients that it needs, remove the obstacle and watch it, watch it do its thing. Our bodies are so smart. They're, it, they're so phenomenal. And I used to have a, a, not even a love-hate relationship with my body, just a hate relationship. I hated the fact that I couldn't lose weight and I was doing all of these things and I was so frustrated with myself and, uh, you know, really downward spiral that when somebody showed me that, oh my goodness, there's so much more to it than that. There's so much more to than just doing the physical act or even, or just the, you know, if you have a B12 deficiency, no amount of meditation will fix that. It's really connecting the spots and learning how to listen and learning how to respect the, this vessel that was given to you and allow it to experience what it came to experience on this planet. 
And it's like, it's a beautiful thing. If we can all just trust it and lean into it, it would, uh, it just does incredible things for us. Mm. That's wonderful. I feel like, uh, you should work for the, is it the AAND, the Alberta Association? And that's yeah, that, that, they're the ones who are like the supposed to be anyways, the, the yeah. champions, right? I feel like you'd be awesome. James. Yeah. So. The problem is it's like, they, it's, this is, we can have this conversation for forever, but truthfully, I don't want to say I feel bad for those people, but it's like, we're fighting this fight and like people are just burning themselves out in this mm. roles. And then I'm like, we got to do something different. And the way that we're going to do something different, like the way that I see it is this ripple effect. If I can show people that here's another way to practice and here's how people are going to start taking us seriously is because we provide that, like naturopaths, I want to say like, we need to be more aggressive. We need to be more Mm -hmm. aggressive in the message and how much we can help people as opposed to like, oh, but like MDs have a lot to do with it. Nobody said that they don't. They're really great at emergency care. That's not the tree that we're trying to bark up. The tree that we're trying to bark up is like people are being mistreated and they're being told that they can, their cardiovascular disease, there's nothing that they can do about it while they continue to drink Coke and eat processed foods Mm -hmm. and whatever. You know, it's like that's a flat out lie and we need to be very aggressive in telling people that, hey, there's a lot you can do and if you want to, come this way. If you don't go this way and that's cool, right? You get, you as a person get a choice as opposed to this, like we need to come together. It's like mm-hmm. the system is not going to let us come together. This is why partly mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, there's sure there's some people in there, but the system is like, it's driven by pharma. They don't care about naturopathic medicine. It's driven mm-hmm. by pharmaceuticals. So it's like, we got to fight. That's the fight that we're fighting. The pharmaceutical as opposed to, you know, the medical because they're they're funded by the pharma, right? I just had a, actually our last podcast, I just um, interviewed a, a guy by the name of Dr. Joel Lexton, and he talks about big pharma's involvement with the medical doctors and how um, just the system is set up in a way where it just influences the way they practice. It was fascinating. So, yeah. No, um, I mean, I know a lot of practitioners who stepped out of the medical industry because they realized how brainwashed it was by mm-hmm. the pharmaceutical. And they were like, I'm not helping people. I'm pushing drugs on them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And there's a lot of people leaving the medical system, which is why it's so overwhelmed, which is why mm. they're so, mm. because people are starting to open up their eyes. And I mean, truthfully, our school system is infiltrated by the pharmaceutical. Why right. is nobody teaching yep. what a menstrual cycle is? Why is nobody teaching that in this high school? Why is nobody teaching what is normal, how many times you should poop or what your digestion track? Like, that's not something you need to learn to go to medical school. My daughter, who's five years old, knows she needs to poop every day. Mm -hmm. And she knows that like, oh, mom, my poop looked weird today. I'm like, okay, let's eat these foods today. She's like, yeah, if I eat too much sugar, my bum hurts. I'm like, it does, doesn't it? (laughs) Do you know, like, how is it that a five-year-old knows that, but my 30-year-olds who are coming in are like, nobody ever told me that was normal. So this is like the infiltration is a lot deeper and this is a whole other podcast. But, you know, it's just like, that's the fight we need to, like, we need to get loud and tell people that, like, we know this information. We want you to know because... Like, I'd love to be out of a job, you know? And I always say that. I'm like, I have people lined up. You know, it's not a shortage of people who need help. There isn't mm-hmm. a shortage. It's 
getting the message out to make sure that we can really impact more people. A whole other podcast is right. Honestly, Jane, I could I could yep. talk to you for a whole lot longer because yes. uh, <laughs> I'm biting my tongue on a few things. But um, I, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. It's uh, I learned a ton and hopefully our, our listeners and our viewers uh, learned, uh, learned. I hope well. so, too. And we went on a couple of tangents there and I apologize. It had nothing to no, do no, with it's fertility, great. but it. it's great. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's, it's part of the whole conversation. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you really communicated. Right. It's not just one. It's not just one thing. It's you have mm-hmm. to look at you have to look at fertility from before conception, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And you take that holistic approach there, in addition to when once you're pregnant and the work that needs to be done there as well. So, um, thank you so much for your time. I, I really again appreciated the conversation. We'll put all of Jane's information in our show notes, a link to her page, and link to her podcast, which I need to start listening to for sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, just thank you for thank you again, and uh, you know, hopefully, you enjoyed yourself as much as I did. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I love the conversation. It's an hour and a half flew by. (laughs) Perfect. All right, well, thanks, everyone, and uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. Bye.